Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 32-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities and gone underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks we screen for here in the shop each week. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air. So we've disguised our voices, and they'll never know. This week, it's September 20th, 2012. We've done a screen this week that's a combination of uh, low P.E., good profitability, and strong balance sheet. Um, But we'll get to all that after some important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, Mo and I are professional analysts and portfolio managers during the week, and we do a lot of extensive fundamental analysis. We interview management teams. We do uh, extensive financial modeling. But here on the show, we've done absolutely none of that. Uh, Third, our lawyers say we need to remind you that we may not have your best interests in mind and may accidentally do the opposite of what's best for you, So, or ourselves for that matter. So do your own work. And fourth, and I'll just speak for myself this week, I have been drinking. So Same stuff. Yeah. So what have you. Same stuff. The, the uh, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Crystal, Crystal Skull. Skull yeah. It so works. Thanks, Dan. It's really helping with my stock picking. See all our caveats, disclosures, photographs, etc. at www.thevalueguys.com. And I also want to mention that uh, the Value Guys are active on Facebook, so you can come to our Value Guys page, or Val Hughes has a page. And there you actually will get first link to the show, because you know iTunes takes some time sometimes to, to be available. And on, uh, as soon as I have the show, as soon as we have the show uh, ready which is often just moments after we've recorded it. I mean, we don't edit it whatsoever. It's uh, available on Facebook and Twitter as well. And then secondly, we've uh, launched a companion podcast I just want to mention. It's called The Value Guys Stock Clips. And for the first time in Value Guys history, I mean, we're oftentimes in the top 50 or 30 on iTunes investing podcasts. But right now, this new podcast is new and noteworthy in the business section. Apple has, uh, iTunes has graduated us, Mo, in yep. the business section. So what we've done there is just cut out all this jabbering like we're doing now. This isn't in that. It's just, so you'd, you'd save yourself from all that, and you just get right to the stocks. It's but indexed. It but it wouldn't be as much fun. And by the well, way, for if you're listening to this, you haven't cut us out. Right. You haven't heard the stock clip show because this wouldn't be in there. Exactly. But it's got, uh, you know, it's indexed by ticker, so go check that out. Um, all that information, again, our website, www.thevalueguys.com. So um, we've done an exciting uh, screen this week that, I, Mo, I custom did for this week's show. You know, I've been pulling screens off FactSet. Right. And there's buttons for Magic Screen or, you know, low price to book or GARP or whatever. And I've been through those low 52 weeks, et cetera. This week I, I custom, uh, I whipped one up, did my own menu. Oh, is this the yeah. beginning of the Valmo ratio analysis? Well, I don't want to give too much away, but I screened on low uh, enterprise value to EBITDA. Mm-hmm. Or no, wait, I'm sorry, I didn't do that at all. Low enterprise value to sales. Because I don't want to screen out money-losing companies that are about to make money. Right. I don't want to miss that. Right. Uh, a a uh, EBITDA to interest filter, just to screen out the people who 
might be susceptible to unfortunately Cuts. missing their interest payment, right. that kind of thing. Right. And then I screened on uh, return on assets of a certain level on average. So a safety, a safety component. Yeah. And um, looking for a little bit of a growth component there, too. Yeah, makes sense. Well, with return on assets. And, and, and it brought up some good-looking names. Well, we had 60 names, and we just went through them all while we were... Uh, while I was drinking, yeah, and yeah. I'll uh, and I think one of these we're going to do is a uh, call it a little bit of a drive by, but yeah, so yeah. good show. So I'm excited about that. But uh, what you've got a you've got this is the part of the show where we do value guys Wall Street news featuring momentum. Mo, take it away. Thanks, Val. Well, first of all, condolences. A shout out to Mike. Yeah. Guess you saw last week's news. The Russian scientists are claiming a gigantic crater in eastern Siberia may contain trillions, quadrillions of carats of diamonds. Remember last week, um, Mike emailed us and said he had just gone long diamonds as an inflation hedge wanted us to mention that on the show. Yeah. So condolences to you. Well, I think, I think uh, the value of diamonds just went down. Like, well, how big is a quadrillion? Well, I was trying to do the math on this. Well, because, I, HP uh, was smoking. Our deficit is 14 or 15 trillion. So if this is, how it's a quad, it's a quadri- quadrillion. Quadrillion. Quadrillion, which I think is, uh, is a, it's it was a quarter of a quadrillion, right? I think it was. A quarter a qu- of quadrillion, which has got to be 250 trillion. If I'm doing my prefixes right. Ah, Carl Sagan, yeah. where are you when we so, need you? <laughs> man, I a mean, lot. That's, uh, that's a lot of diamonds. So Yeah, so um, that's anyway. That's unfortunate for that Yeah, that's that very portfolio. unfortunate. Another shout-out, Bradley, you know, who we're, you know who we're talking to you, Bradley. You know, Bradley, Brad, yeah. Bradley just uh, won $104 million. That's right. He was a banker at UBS. That turned in the bank. Good job, Bradley. And uh, so uh, they had to turn over 4,900 names that had Swiss, Swiss secret Swiss bank accounts. And momentum and values were not among those names. Because we were using our other names. Right. That's the beauty of this whole thing. Um, and UBS had to pay $780 million. Ouch. Plus, on the heels of that, because of the tax, some changes, 35,000 taxpayers have applied for amnesty to repatriate their money. Yeah. Well, with the, with all the, the taxes 100%. going up, right? Yeah. 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 Now, I was going to say... Um, so, Bradley, if you're out there and you're looking for a wealth manager, you're probably not going to use UBS. Contact us through the website. Yeah. We can manage that for you, and then, uh, you know, maybe he could... He could bring some of his UBS friends over exactly. to the firm here. Exactly. But, uh, so, um, right. so the well, first the first stock we're looking at. The first stock. The very first stock we're looking at. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something I think is cool about this. Before you even look at what the company really, what their guts look like. Yeah. Just, just, just on the metrics at this point. For-profit university. Just got, uncred- just lost accreditation. They lost an accreditation on uh, one of their schools, yeah. Right. So the stock has gone from 30 to 11. Yeah. Here's the play. The end of December, they're going to know where they get reaccredited. If they do, the stock goes from 11 to 30. If they don't get a, accredited, the stock probably goes from 11 to 5. They do have some assets. Or maybe there's people who don't 
don't mind if their school's not accredited. Right. So it's an interesting it's an interesting sort of a play. We've created some synthetic options and derivatives as part of a portfolio that we're now selling shares of online. And you can well, buy you maybe. You Are can we doing buy that? those. Yeah, you can buy them at Intrade. Check it out on the website I N T R A D E. You can also buy shares of Obama. I know. That's that's pretty exciting actually. Shares of Obama have gone from $55 a share in June to $67. So it's a great way to watch. Now, why don't you talk about how that works? I bet a lot of people don't understand that. In trade is a marketplace. Marketplace where, is a what a great concept. Yeah. So um, I decide I want to sell you a share of Obama. So a contract basically. I enter into that if I pay you and then if Obama wins, I give you ten dollars. You owe me ten bucks. If Obama doesn't win, I owe you. You keep your six bucks. So here's the way it mm -hmm. works for me. I sell you a share for seven dollars. And this is intrade.com. Correct. Yeah. Pretty cool. Obama wins, the stock goes to ten. I have to give you three dollars. So I'm out yeah. three dollars. And then I have to use that for my increase in taxes. So I actually wouldn't see anything. Right. Yeah. If Obama loses, I get 10 bucks. Minus the taxes. Minus the taxes. The increase in taxes. <laughs> increase. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you can go out in there. So it's a great marketplace. They trade all sorts of, they trade politicians. They trade, you know, anything you can trade, anything you can bet on. But uh, just a heads up, it's a big spike. Well, Obama's on a, quite a roll in the market. His stock is, I mean, actually... I'm a value guy, but look at that. And he's starting to look a little toppy, I'd say. I don't Quick know. Quick run up. What do you think's behind that? I mean, are his earnings going up or something? I think we could do or some technical analysis increase. and just say that there's been a lot of momentum in the. There's stock. a lot of expectations now in that, in that security. Yeah. And I wonder, uh, you know, as a mo guy, it probably looks pretty good. Well, it does. As a value guy, it looks a little toppy. That's there. what. You, is that what? Well, well, here's let's let's sink our teeth into a real name. Who's our first candidate? Decker. Now, I just okay. I have one question to ask you yep. about Decker. Decker. Before you even hit the numbers. All right. You can't help but notice this is the footwear company. Yeah. And here's what happens when you have two MBAs and two CPAs running the company. They get down in a conference room and they say, we want to be in the footwear company. Great. Footwear is seasonal. How do we solve that and create a non-seasonal company? Well... Let's start Tiva, so we got the summer market wrapped up, and let's do Uggs, so we got the winter market wrapped yeah. up. So these guys are a perfect seasonal balance. And oh, I got news for you: only MBAs from Harvard think about stuff like well, this. Well, they must have been advised by some bankers, because I remember a time, you know, Tiva was a, a public company, oh. and uh, and Decker. Uh, was a public company years ago, and or maybe Teva was owned by Decker, but I think these brands came together. They were purchased in some fashion, I think. And so, yeah, they've got that seasonality going there. But, um, you know, came out on our screen, and uh, I'm not typically interested in uh, fashion, you know. So if something has a fashion component, I sometimes view it as risky, of course, because fashions can change. But these guys have a couple of brands that are pretty strong. Uh, they're in Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, and Bloomingdale. So they're in the anti-Macy's companies, which, you know, that that's good. Those firms need someone to battle Macy's because, of course, Macy's is the biggest department store uh, company in the country. 
And so they probably have a pretty solid position there. They're, they're five times EBITDA, so there's already a, a great bit of, you know, uh, expectations out of the stock. I'm going to guess that management came out and re-guided people because you could see that three months ago, Mo, earnings estimates came down, you know, 25%. And it kind of corresponds to the stock coming down. Uh, 48%. Uh, yeah, so, well, you know, right. uh, and, and obviously I suspect if you look at the books, the only info we've got access to is a, the 2012 data. Um, I am suspecting that since uh, EBITDA was uh, not down that drastically, sales were up, that uh, that downward guidance has not been fully baked into the numbers that we can read yet. Yeah, very possible. I mean, this is an estimate, so maybe that's the roll-up of these uh, – analyst estimates. But, you know, sales up, EBITDA down, obviously a lot of stuff you had to go out on clearance. Right. Or they bought a new low margin firm. Either way, the stock's gone from 100 to 40. And I'm just going to guess uh, that at a, you know, five times EBITDA, nine times earnings, that mm. a lot of those weak expectations are in the stock. The balance sheet looks pretty good. They have zero debt. They've got... Uh, $23 you know, in book value. Yeah, they got, let's see, well, $260 million in cash, which is about 8 bucks a share on a $39 stock price. And they've got a gross margin that's, you know, they don't have an estimate here for 2012, but it's been comfortably in the upper 40s and, and touched 50 a couple of years ago. So people like it. They're putting up EBITDA margins in the 20s, and they dip to an estimate of 18 this year, but that's just coming off the gross margin as we just talked about. ROA, 20s, mid-teens, ROE, 20s, and upper teens. So they've managed their business very well. Uh, there's 14 analysts covering it, so that's enough to be, you know, kind of right a lot of the time. But um, it just seems that there's a little too much pessimism in here because while they may have a weak Christmas, I'm going to guess, Mo, that these brands, one things you get, one of the things you get with a brand is you get almost a certain uh, trial again in all these great stores next year. In other words, it's not like a, a new brand, a new, you know, label that if you blow it, you're gone, right? right so these right. guys have the license to not have a good year, still come back, and so you have to think about that kind of thing when you, when you put valuations on these, and, and I think there's an annuity here. It's not reflected in these uh, multiples. Good enough. And I'll tell you, I live next to uh, near an UGG store, one of their flagship stores. And, um, you know, they're rolling out the winter stuff and the store is packed. It's uh, almost as packed as the uh, cupcake store uh, yeah. block away. I think they're also coming out with some men's men's stuff. Uh, you know, UGG's that is. I mean, Teva always is. But I think UGG is... Is moving towards. Yeah, I think they've been in that market for a little bit. So it just looks like it can, you know, maybe have some legs to it or feet. Anyway, as they say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. All right, uh, Deluxe Corp ticker DLX. Again, this came through our screen. Checks. Yeah, checks. It it's our low multiple good balance sheet screen that we just ran a little while ago. Um, and this one comes out pretty good. Six times EBITDA, a long history of mid-20s in EBITDA margins, a 60s on gross margin, which tells you that they're doing something proprietary. And the amazing thing, uh, these guys have been left for dead for a decade because they do paper. 
and you well, can I gotta, see the I gotta, papers going away. You know, listen to these numbers, though, and that's this is what's really surprising me. I would have said the exact same thing. In 2009, during the recovery, this stock was essentially flat. In 2010, it was up 55. It took a rest in 2011, and it's up 34% this year. I mean, this thing is just, you look at this chart, and it's just surging ahead, taking a little bit of a breather, surging ahead. And that that surprises me, especially when I hear Apple talking about a pocketless world where you can buy airline tickets on your phone and check out supermarket stuff. And you think you move into that digital environment. Wow, so people still you still think people will use checks. Well, I'll tell you, look at the companies that they own. Uh, of course, Deluxe, people are used to that with the checks. But they own something called NEBS, New England Business Systems was the old name, Safeguard, McBee, PS Print, uh, Logo, Mojo, etc. These are all regional printers who used yeah. to print the forms that ran corporate America. Just think, before computers, every company had all their forms. Just think of the government. They're still on forms, okay? So everyone had paper forms, and these companies would not only print them, but they would help you design them for your business. And then once you were on to that, you were hooked. And it wasn't just a matter of you could print them yourself. Printing used to be a little tricky. And then even in the modern age, they would have things that were hard to do in your office, like adhesives or triplicate or, you know, what have you, or you know, raised letters and different colors. So they've rolled up all these firms, and you can tell that these forms are still very proprietary because otherwise there's no way you could get a 65% gross margin. Right. Bear in mind, that means that the stuff that you're selling them, the raw material costs 35 cents, and people are paying a buck for that. Yep. Yep. So why? Well, they can't do it themselves for whatever reason. So And obviously investors love the story because it's been, you know, it's been 4 years of a, just a great looking chart ever since the recovery and it just it just keeps chugging along. So people out there know the story even though interestingly enough, um there's only 3, three top analysts that follow that. Yeah. But but clearly the the, the story's powerful enough that the stocks discovered but yeah it's a but one thing i will say great. i don't know how much of the sales so sales are flat they are for for four, four five, years wait almost five one. and what you don't know is how many of these companies because i remember this company and i remember these little companies they bought so were they buying those along the way to prevent their sales from going down is there actually organic contraction and the only way they made it up is by buying companies they did manage to improve their margins so they were undoubtedly taking cost out during that time um, they have some debt here so that's worth considering as well total debt to equity is uh, 245 percent and total debt to capital is 71 percent so there uh, there is a little bit of debt here I can't exactly tell uh, what the interest coverage is here, unfortunately, in the sheet I'm looking at, uh, it's not telling me that, Mo. I can't, uh, I okay. don't see a number, but uh, that's something you got to check out. But otherwise, um, six times EBITDA, I think that's a 16% cash on cash return, and I just got to. I got to think about uh, looking at this thing pretty carefully. And you know, you you said, uh, you know, what do you think the odds are that the uh, the um Sales growth, which has been flat for the last couple of years, doesn't include some component of acquisition to beef those numbers up, which would hide 
a shrinking market. And I, don't, I don't think that's the case because I'm just looking at shares out have been the same for the last five years. Debt's been essentially the same for the last six or seven years. So they didn't yeah, issue right. any shares. They didn't issue any debt. They can't pay for a, that many acquisitions with cash flow. So to me, it suggests, yeah. yep, the market's relatively flat. These guys are doing okay in that flattish marketplace. Um, and it's a 3% yield. We forgot to say that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's guess the dividend. Oh, look at let's that. Let's do that dividend. Okay. We're going to go back. Go way back. I do my best work when you have a long history of dividends. 2007. Now, I know that you were talking with uh, our colleague down the hall about, or was he talking to me about um, creating his three-dimensional arrays to assess variance and covariance? Uh, that's the best. That's the best practice. So sure. you're going to employ <laughs> something like that on purely a mental basis? I just like to do that right in my head. Yeah. Okay, okay, ready. Let's go. 2007. Okay. One dollar. One dollar. Check. 2008. One dollar. One dollar. Check. 2009. One dollar. One dollar. Check. 2010. Yep. A dollar. One dollar. Dollar. One dollar is check. Got that. Two thousand eleven. Yes, sir. One dollar. One dollar. And two thousand twelve. Two thousand twelve. One dollar. So I know check. that you maybe you want to explain, maybe you don't. I don't know how proprietary the algorithms that you're employing to do the regression analysis, Monte Carlo simulations on this, so you can come up yeah. with a relatively sophisticated band. It's hard to even explain how I do it, Mo. Is frankly. it? Well, you want me to try to predict next year's. Uh, Dividend? I do. Should we take a pause and give you 15 minutes, or are you going to do this live? Yeah, we'll just Real pause. Time. Let's take a few minutes, but just pause it so that we don't have to make the listeners wait. I got it, Mo. What's that? One dollar, I'm going to predict for next year. You and are. that's a 3.2% yield. Well, there you have it. Thank and you. it doesn't get any more sophisticated or accurate than I that. I somehow, I get this tingly feeling over me. I don't even know. I think that's... I'm like channeling that. It's a little too much I'm information. Channeling about. it from somewhere. I'm, I don't. It's good that I don't you're even tingling. Know where that information comes from. Good you're tingling. Okay. Uh, you want to do this one, Mo? I think you. You had some familiarity with this one. No, I've never had any personal familiarity with this one at all, and I'll deny anyone who suggests on the internet or other that I that I would have <laughs> any familiarity with this because these guys do yeah. drug testing. Drug testing. By. Right. Cutting pieces of your hair. Do they do alcohol testing? They thankfully not. They do not. So, they do not. Okay. Fine, but that's what cool. they do. They do, you know, when uh, when you're not supposed to be taking, uh, you know, or say you're not supposed to be smoking marijuana, someone can come in, cut a piece of your hair, and um, well, they do a whole bunch of stuff. This is what was interesting. They can test for cocaine, marijuana, PCP, metamphetamines, including ecstasy. Which is difficult to detect, but they can do it, they say. Uh, also, uh, heroin, opiates, hydrocortisone, hydromorphone, and oxycodone. And I'm thinking, what are we going to do, Mo? What kind of party can we have when all of these substances right. can be detected? Or right. Wall Street in general? Right. The, so, only thing uh, we, the only thing we ever screen for is stupidity. Yeah, that's and there our are, main one. There are ways of screening for that. We have a different company. but So here's a question. Okay. Here's a question. They do drug testing. Great. If, and it's, a big, it's an important question. If marijuana is legalized, how many employers would stop testing for it right away? And what percentage of their businesses, you know, ratting out those poor pot smokers? Well, here's the thing. You know, there's a lot of drugs that are legal now. 
but you can't drive a school bus while you're using them. Like, I think, I'm not familiar with all these rules, but, I mean, heroin's got to be legal in a couple of states, right? Depending you on cannot, your profession. Yeah, you cannot. So, I think that... I uh, mean, would, nobody would be barred from the securities uh, industry yeah. for being a, right. a Well, you don't want to know what those traders are on. You <laughs> just want them to keep working, right? So, but no, I think that um, that's a good point, Mo, but my, my guess is a lot of this stuff, this is psychometrics, PMD, if we forgot to say that. That's PMD, not PCD. P- PMD. <laughs> And this always comes up on screens I run. It's nine times EBITDA. It's uh, about 15 times trailing earnings. They put up 27% returns on equity last year, 23 the year before that, 30% return. I'm sorry, that was on assets, 30% return on equity. Uh, They have zero debt. They have cash that I think is... uh, Let's see here. Where's the? It's like a buck a share on an eleven dollar stock. No debt. It's uh, run by a guy named Raymond Kubaki, and uh, me and our team here had a chance to talk with this guy. I don't know, maybe a year ago, we were doing a little work on this area because we were looking for needs, not wants, and uh, drug testing for businesses. It's uh, it adds value. It helps you keep your insurance costs low. It helps you keep any uh, you know, compliance issues, you know, and lawsuit it issues. keeps the heroin well, addicts out of your well, file cabinets, too. it keeps too. that. But, I mean, in some cases, it's just a compliance issue. Uh, in mm-hmm. some places, it's a safety and insurance issue and a, and, and a protection issue and all that. So we, we felt that uh, it was something that for a company, there was a high ROI on paying the dollar for your test to give to your employee, uh, but the reason that they had a tough time was it's new employees that generally get tested more often, and when you have, you know, slow job growth, it hurts the. And so that's what happened because sales yeah. were twenty four, twenty three in two thousand seven, yeah. two thousand eight. Boom! They hit the yeah. wall in two thousand nine. Yeah, no hiring. That's what happened. Uh, and, and what's interesting, sales have since gone seventeen, twenty, twenty four. That's nice momentum. Yeah. Now there's bigger companies, but like Quest Diagnostics and LabCorp. Both great companies. They're a little more expensive uh, generally, although right now they're not, although uh, they're not as profitable. Um, and they offer a full line. The psychometrics, they just do hair. That's all they do. And you ask the guy. And who's got the best hair? What celebrity has the best hair? Uh well, that's quite interesting. You know, uh, go ahead, Mo. Why don't you tell you the tell fo- you discovered? Well, we it. were looking at the stock, and all of a sudden we see uh, a board member, Harry Connick Senior. Senior, and we're like, "What? No!" So not Harry's dad. Yeah, no. It's it's right. Is it Harry Connick's dad? Well, we look it up, and it is Harry Connick Junior's dad. Harry Connick Senior. Evidently was an attorney in Louisiana, but he's sitting on the board of this company, Psychometrics, and, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe as an attorney general, he got involved with drug testing, his own staff, the police, who knows? But it's kind of a, you get a little celebrity, you know, buzz here with this stock. It's not just, it's not all about drug testing. It's about 
uh, celebrity sighting as well. Being able to hang with Harry. Yeah, hang with his dad. I mean, if you can't get with Harry Connick Jr., yep. who better to get with than well, his dad? Well, you know, right? we invested. We're, we're partners with Harry Connick Sr. because <laughs> I own a share. $11 lets you say that to your next-door neighbor. I could get, I'm invested with, um, with, well, Harry Connick. Harry Connick. But don't well, tell everybody. You know, maybe you get a Christmas party. Kind of in bed together on this one, you know? <laughs> I don't know. And then you think, Harry Connick Jr., he's got a pretty good head of hair. He does. And I bet it's drug-free it with his dad is. here yep. on the board. So check that out. Psychometics, um, you know, cash flow, no debt, etc., etc. So I guess uh, that's all we have this week in terms of our... Uh, Stock selections, um, and so. But this is the part of the show that, depending on our mood, we like to go and you know take a walk through national economic trends, bring you up to date on all those important national economic trends that are so vital to understand, so you can talk understand with somebody them. about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, of course, as usual, we haven't done any work on this, so we are. Uh, Going to have to be um, right back uh, here in a minute. Uh, hold on, everybody. We are. We're back with uh, paging through national economic. Trend. We're back. The economy isn't. Yeah, no, we're right. But I guess it's better than nothing that we are. So we've got in front of us now national economic trends, a publication of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. Thank God the Federal Reserve of St. Louis is doing something right. That's true. By printing this stuff for us, and we've gone through thousands, each thousands and thousands of actually of, pages of pages. Actually, it's a week later yeah. that we've. We've that took back. a long time. Yeah. So um, this is up to date as of uh, about uh, a week ago. I always say it's up to date as of the day, but for whatever reason, those guys are on vacation. Maybe it was Labor Day or something, so they took a day off. But this is as of November four or uh, September fourteenth data that hot. we're talking about. Pretty hot. hot off the press. Off the press. So. Uh, well, I've got something on page three when page you open three. it up. Yeah, I'm on page three, too. Lower left-hand side. Yes. Change in non-farm payrolls. Now, I'll tell you something. We uh, we do a lot of work. You know that. We've got a whole group of people on the strategic resource team, 13 people. All they do is economic research. They have been working on something for a long time because for a long time, how do you get a picture, a real picture of the economy without the farm payrolls? If you're only looking at the non-farm. You miss the farm. All the farmers. Yeah. Not even included. How do they feel about that? Well, it's not just how they feel. It's, it's not just you're really not getting a full picture. It's yeah. like putting a puzzle together and leaving out one of the one of the puzzle pieces of sky. So the three percent of people that are farmers completely so by, left out. Right by putting those back together and uh, use a proprietary algorithm, yeah. we've come up with something called the job numbers. The job numbers, assuming that farmers were part more of all prevalent. Of 
-hmm. So what's interesting is when you really do seriously look at the job numbers that are, that are on this website, yeah. among others, you know, one of the things that's interesting is you can see just really what people are talking about when they say the economy's sputtering. Sputtering, Because yeah. last year at this time, we were, we were adding between 150 and 200,000 new jobs, creating those each, each month. Yeah. And there was, you know, there were a few little hiccups in September, October, November, but this time last year, it was showing some signs of growth, and then bang, 200,000 plus jobs in December, 270,000 jobs in January, 200, yeah. 260,000 jobs in February, 143. Yeah, weakening up. 67, 45 in June. Yeah. Well, so you can see. No surprise. You can really see that. You can really see that slowdown. But uh, a lot of people don't know that that's happening because incomplete picture of the economy. Because of the farmers. There you go. So shout out to all you farmers well, that have helped that trend. I think that that's just not surprising. You know, we have a little business here. Growing tomatoes? Well, I don't want to say what we do. Although I, I guess I already do say what we do. We have a little value shop. Now, we could go out and hire somebody, but we have no idea what the taxes are going to be next year, uh, what the health care costs are going to be next year, et cetera. So not that, you know, and, and so we don't know, you know, we don't know what, what a guy costs us. And so it's an easy decision to put off. And I'm going to guess that a lot of people, a lot of small business people feel that way. Um, you don't know what's coming and so you just you just hold up and wait and see what happens that's all wait and see so, that, well that. I got a couple things on page three. Oh, good um, because not everyone's waiting to see what happens um, first of all industrial production a backbone of the economy um, as uh, as long ago as industrial production was leading the charge it's still I think you know manufacturing is still f Fifteen percent of the of the economy, and I believe we still are the largest producer of most things in the world. Um, and our GDP per capita is so high that we can afford other things. But we have a pretty good manufacturing base. And the good news is, is that last month I was a little concerned, Mo, because that number you see those two little bars were near zero. But now we've had, and these are percent changes month to month. We've had a point. 8% change back to a level that, if you look back, represents kind of a big well, we, number. Right. That's kind of a 10% annual rate. And so that means businesses are investing in production, and that's pretty good. Um, the other thing I'd note is that the unemployment rate, you know, I guess it's higher than we'd all like, um, but then in order to have a job, you know, You'd need more people looking for jobs. So, I mean, it's part, you know, how bad do you want a job? But I'd say the good news here is this thing continues to go down. The most recent data point is another leg down toward 8%. And I'm going to guess within a few months we're going to be below 8% on the unemployment rate. That's good. Uh, so let's see. Those are a couple things on that page. Well, I got a question for you. Yeah. Look at page 7. Page 7. Love to. Yeah. This big, full half-page graph of the Treasury yield, the yield curve. curve. So mm. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. According to this chart, if I bought a bond that matures in 10 years, I'd get about a you know 
for 2.3% yield. What could possibly... Uh, actually, you're looking at last year's yield. Oh, sorry, even this year. Sorry, yeah. it's even 1.6. Yeah, yeah. 1.6. Yeah. 10 years <clears throat> ago. You're right. Yeah. Tell me, in simple terms, what could go right to make that bond ever make me money? Um, nothing, no other investment pays you back. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And then the U.S. government will pay. The last bastion of paying you back. And so. That's a lot you're of. You're willing to. That's a, a lot of sitting on the sidelines waiting for that thing to mature at 2%. So you're right. But boy, that's, that safety comes at, or 1.5%. That safety comes at big, big costs. I, I think so because, you know, a lot of people think government bonds are low risk. And certainly if the earth gets hit by an asteroid, nothing's safe. So it's a little less onerous than that, but onerous enough to wipe out all the corporate <laughs> debt issuers. So you're just in that little fulcrum between total worldwide devastation and um, only the U.S. government remaining perfectly fine and paying you back. So I'm trying to imagine... What type of scenario would it be that no other asset on the planet will pay you, but the Earth hasn't completely exploded? And it's just, it's one of those, so in other words, smoke. How fast do you think global warming is going to melt the, the polar ice caps? Uh, and how well do you swim? You know, I think that by the time that happens, if, if the water keeps rising, we have plenty of time to build walls. We're on the 23rd I'm floor. I'm not worried about that. Well, we are. But um, it's just not going to come lapping up. You know, we're going to have to, uh, you'll just slowly build walls. But the one and a half, I don't think you, you're, you're not buying it for earnings. You're buying it for safety. And it makes no sense because I don't know how many listeners are familiar with the concept of duration. But let me just give a moment on that. Uh, and that is, if you can imagine, this bond, this 30, well, this is the 10-year. 10-year, right. Um, but the 10-year bond, imagine that you're going to get 20 payments of $75 a piece, and then at the end of 10 years, you're going to get a payment of $1,000. And assume that each $75 increment weighs the same. So it's like one of those balance beams. Each payment, each dollar weighs the same. And you got this ruler with all these payments on it and then the 1000 at the end. The duration is the point on that ruler where it would balance, and it's mathematical. But you can see a 10-year bond isn't going to balance on 10, right? Because the payments in years 1 through 10 are going to tip it to the left. So that's not the right number. It's a weighted average of the payments. And once you figure that out, and for a bond with uh, low coupons, the duration is higher because those little payments don't amount to as much as they would if they were bigger payments. So the problem is you've got a higher duration. Now that number, you say, why in the world do I care about that number? Well, here's why. The duration happens to be uh, a measure of leverage to changes in interest rates. So if you buy the 10-year bond, and I'm just going to guess the duration because I'm not going to calculate it and all that, uh, and I don't have a ruler, but it's probably around nine or eight and a half, something like that. And what that means is if interest rates go from one and a half to two and a half, that's a 1% change. 
100 basis points, my bond is going to go down. The percentage decline will be the duration. So if rates go from 1.5 to 2.5, my bond's going to go down. Let's say the duration is 9%. If the, the rates go from 1.5 to 3.5, my bond is going to go down 18%. And at that point, on a 10-year, there's no way to make that up other than by investing those coupons at a higher rate in the money market yield, and, and those might rise. So it's a complicated calculation, but the point is these bonds are highly risky to interest rate increases right at a time when uh, there's been a lot of money pumped into the economy, and you've got to be concerned about inflation, even though we're not seeing any sign of it, particularly, except I will note that the stock market's going up. It's not in the CPI, but certainly that could be viewed as inflation. Also, gasoline prices are going up. Food prices are going up. That's all little pieces of inflation. And longer term, I do believe the government will deflate away our big debt because we can't possibly pay it. And that's a way to get the Chinese to kind of pay it because they'll get paid back in cheaper dollars. Cheaper dollars. But uh, that's the problem with that yield, uh, Mo. And I, I got off on a couple tangents there. Nope. But it's dangerous. Very, it's dangerous. <clears throat> it is dangerous and very instructive. You got right. any other? Let's see. I do. I think I checked a couple of other boxes here. Uh, one of which was, again, on this jobs thing, page 11. And you guys can go look this up yourself. St. Louis Federal Reserve. Um, it's the unemployment rate, which we've already talked about, is coming down. But this chart has something called the job openings rate. And I would note there aren't a lot of straight lines in economics, Mo, but that this looks is a pretty, pretty straight. straight line of job openings. And right now, job openings, according to this, are increasing at nearly a 3% rate, which is faster than... Uh, population growth, which is why you're seeing declines in the unemployment rate. And so that looks like it's going to continue. I I take that to be uh, good news for the economy over the next year or so. And then uh, people probably know this, so it's, we're not giving you any news here exactly, but uh, housing is uh, continuing to look good. Housing starts, again, the same straight line up that looks like it's happening in the job uh, Help wanted ads is helping is is happening in housing starts and new home sales over the last uh, year and a half or so. So that's a good trend. And then there's a chart on page 14, real residential fixed investment, and this is back at a level that it was at in terms of year-over-year -year changes. So about 10% is where it was in years 03, and even back in 98, 99. So it's at a level that represents a healthy year. And yep. so that's coming back. That should help to continue to add jobs and things like that. So I'm see, I see a lot of nervousness out in the, in the economy. But this data suggests, the foundations. yeah, things don't really look all that bad. Other Which than, suggests uh, that either, A, regardless of who wins, the improved visibility will see a little bit of an uptick, or do you think it's totally contingent upon who wins? Um, I think these kinds of trends are bigger than who wins, because the difference between Obama's plan and Romney's plan, I mean, Obama does have a big plan to raise taxes on a whole bunch of stuff, and I think that could put a hit to the economy. I'm going to guess he's going to step back from that, not choke off a 
nascent recovery here. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, he's got to get elected, but then he'll do the right thing for the economy. Um, and so in, in, in Romney, the tax rates are really not all that different. These are big, big trends here that seem to be on a good path right now. Neither one opinion. of those guys could screw it up. I don't think so. Good. Good. So, Anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so, Mo. I Sometimes I like to say hello to somebody, so I'm going to say hello to uh, uh, to uh, my brother. I didn't Hi, know, how are you? I didn't know you had a brother. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening again to The Value Guys Stock Talk Show. Um, see all our caveats, disclosures, photographs at www.thevalueguys.com. And we'll see you next week, everybody. Have a good week.